Good evening, and welcome to a very spooky future SciChat. I'm Rob Attrell, and I'm here with my cousin and co-host, Mike, and our senior contributor, Nick Maddox. Nick, I hope you're terrified to join us today while we talk about all things paranormal. Specifically, today we'll be discussing what causes people to believe in supernatural and paranormal phenomena. Is anything paranormal really rooted in reality? And does belief in these phenomena hinder our scientific understanding of them? Thanks for tuning in to Future Chat this week. Now let's get started. All right, everybody. How are we doing this week? Spooky. Under, well, I think most of the water from my body has disappeared under spooky circumstances. <laughs> so I'm very scarily dehydrated. But you have water, right? <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I know that I have water, but it's all salt water, as you can see. <laughs> <laughs> For those on the podcast, <laughs> tune in to see Rob look like a pirate. Yep, that's true. I'm dressed as a pirate today. I um, am. Yeah, I'm stuck looking like uh, Julian from Trailer Park Boys. You're stuck looking that way because nobody would ever want to look that way. Is no, is it, you get the you get the glass of coke in your hand and you just yeah boys. You seen Corey and Trevor? Good time. See, in my opinion, it's bad form to wear a costume after Halloween. It's it's kind of like wearing white after Labor Day. It's just one of those faux pas that you don't do. Well, Listen. you know that I'm not wearing it. It's been digitally added to my image. You That's know what? True. Like, I, I altered my facial hair to look like Julian, and that doesn't just grow back. I was pretty shocked that you actually shaved. Actually, I, as I was planning it out, I was like, wait a minute. I've got a beard streak going from 2010. I can't just give this up. I can't. So if you look closely, I don't know if you can see it from this angle, because I can't actually see the screen. <laughs> but it goes down in an extra long sideburn and then meets up. So I still have yeah. a beard. Is that and not all part is right of, with the world, thank God. Is that not part of the normal getup, though, for his character? No, he shaves most of the sideburn. Okay. Although in later seasons, the, like, under-the-chin stuff goes back to, the like, the end of the jaw. Okay. So I thought I could reasonably pull it off. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Really you did. So how was everyone's Halloween? It was great. What were you, Mike? I was a dad with cat whiskers painted on his face. <laughs> <laughs> I a figured, cool cat? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I just took Emma around the block, and she had fun. So. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> how about you guys? What were you guys up to? Rob, why don't you start? <laughs> I got a story. I went to a party. I was Bert from Mary Poppins. Oh, that's Julia. fantastic. Yeah. I owned all the clothes except Julia bought one vest at Value Village. But other than that, the entire uniform stuff, stuff I already owned. I was <laughs> of course. Of course you did. Yeah. Um, Kaya took me to a pub crawl. Oh, nice. And... Uh, 
it worked out really well because like part of Julian from Trailer Park Boys, part of his shtick is that he always has a rum and coke or a rye and coke or something in coke just wandering around like this. And so once people figured out who I was, also there was a guy dressed as Bubbles there, which was hilarious. Oh, nice. <laughs> and I later met one guy who was like, man, I, I almost dressed up as Ricky, but I didn't think anyone would get it. <laughs> and I was like, there's a guy who's Bubbles around here. Why didn't you? <laughs> but uh, Oh, you did it, actually pull that off pretty well. Yeah, it, it was amazing. Yeah. But uh, part of his shtick is he wanders around with a drink, so I'd get to a new bar and not have a drink yet. <laughs> And someone would just hand me one. <laughs> Listen, I can't see Julian without a drink. That's just that's not how that works. Here you go. Nice. So it was a group of people doing this pub crawl. People you oh, didn't yeah. know that were okay. There was a pole on the bus that I might have spiraled down at one point. It's a good time. Yeah. Also, um, Kaya's gold uh, makeup. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure it's copper-based because they said not to get it wet and everywhere it had gotten wet, especially when she jumped in the shower and came back, like it turned green. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think at one point I must have rested my head against her forehead or something like that because I don't know if you can see it oh, yeah. in this light. But there's a... like a, It looks like a bruise. <laughs> so like a hit in the head at some point. <laughs> so she, her also, whole body looked like she had gotten hit. <laughs> Is that how it ended up, or did she wash it off pretty well? So it was like, you know, you wouldn't think so, but I just had this green spot on my forehead okay. with, you know, this facial hair, so I just look like a thug at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> or I look like the one episode where they they mistook one another for the Sasquatch. Or Sam's Quench, because they pronounced it and proceeded to beat one another. Limped around the rest of the episode. You got to watch that show, guys. Speaking not... of Sasquatch. Speaking of Sasquatch. Good segue. Yep. Speaking of my dog named Segway. <laughs> let's uh, let's get into what uh, what we want to talk about, which is the paranormal. And I thought that this was a good time for it because. If you start debunking things to do with the paranormal before Halloween, you're a buzzkill. But if you do it the day after, it's just like, come on, guys. Get it together for next year. <laughs> we'll let it go this time. Yeah. Uh, and so why don't we start by talking about uh, what, what, we're, what we're classifying as paranormal. Another word I wanted to use was supernatural. Uh, just things that are Halloween-y, things that are spooky or unexplained or any number of words you could use to describe that. So things that I'm considering open for discussion are, are the obvious ones like vampires, zombies, werewolves, uh, ghosts, psychics. What? You can't take me seriously with this on, can you? I'm sorry, I, I just kept looking at you and I'm like, <laughs> God, he just moves around and the pirate hat moves with him. I know it's really it's really quite wonderful. I those <laughs> listening to the podcast, I cannot encourage you enough to tune in and watch this. It's beautiful. 
it's actually uh, like my shoutouts all go to Google Plus and the Google Effects app because it it gets better and better with time and they they've really got it stuck to my face pretty well. <laughs> they really do. Is there anything else you guys want to add to our list of things that we're considering it for this episode? Um, I think you can definitely start getting into stuff like demon possessions, hauntings. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you mentioned ghosts. I did. Um, it's kind of bordering on myth, mythical creatures and going into more spiritual realm of things. I wouldn't necessarily call them religious. Like, we're not talking, like, debunking religion or anything like that. It's more like kind of this, yeah, like, you know, exorcisms and that kind of stuff. Like, it's, it crosses, it dances that line between secular and religious, I think, a little bit. Uh, I was I was interested to to sort of relearn this year that Halloween began as a religious tradition, with the Hallows being spirits and uh, or saints rather, sorry. And so um, oh, because it's All Saints Day today. Yeah. So the last night Hallow- was All Eve. Yeah. And this day, it just I thought that was really interesting. And there's there are a lot of traditions even going to the Sort of, not necessarily wandering around and getting candy, but sweets being involved with the with the day, yep. and giving stuff out. So I thought it was interesting to to connect that back, and it sort of seemed like it. Uh, there, there's a lot of history of the Christian uh, religion, sort of appropriating different aspects of other cultural traditions. So the fact that it coincides with uh, the harvest has a lot to do with pagan rituals and the fact that pumpkins are involved in all of these sort of more <clears throat> more like farm-based or harvest-based traditions are also involved because of that, because mm-hmm. it's around the same time as the harvest. Mm. I thought that was cool. And on that note, I cannot recommend the Book of Mormon enough. <laughs> touches on that very idea. Are you seeing the oh. actual Book of Mormon or the Broadway show? Oh no, the Broadway show, the Book of Mormon. I don't think the, you know, religious dog. You know what? I'm gonna stop there. <laughs> That's fair. We've talked about the Book of Mormon a lot on this show in the last couple weeks, and rightly so. It's fantastic. Yeah. So let's uh, move to a natural next question, and I think I know the answer to this, but let's uh, let's talk about any. Uh, paranormal activities or supernatural activities that we've either believed in or experienced directly or indirectly. And uh, so does anybody have, maybe by show of hands, you guys have any experiences you are interested to talk about? Nick? (laughs) Yeah, I do. It was, well, I don't know, like, because I was a child at the time and children are notorious for not remembering things correctly because, you know, it was about over 10 years ago, 15 years ago. But there was one time I was playing in my room with a friend and I heard three knocks on the door and, like, the door to my room. And then I turned around and I asked, who is it? And I didn't hear anything, so I just continued playing. And then... I heard three more knocks on the door, and I said, come in. And the door just unlatched and opened in the 
slowest and creakiest and scariest manner possible. <laughs> and to this day, I don't understand. Like, the door can open like that in a gust of wind or something like that, but the knocks and the fact that it opened after I said, come in. <laughs> Either that or there's someone messing with you. I was going to say, is, was no one else home? Uh, like, my mom and my sister were, but it's a very, it's an older house. Like, it was built okay. in the 19-teens. And so the floor is very creaky, so you can very easily hear anyone walking up or walking away from my door. So that's a thing that happened. <laughs> so you don't have an explanation because you thought you would have heard that and you didn't. Yeah. Like, especially... And my sister was very young at the time because she's five years younger than I am, so she would have been at the age where if she if she was trying to trick me, she would have been giggling the whole time. Right. So, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna refer to or uh, refer to my paranormal beliefs as a paranormal agnosticism, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. God, that was weird. <laughs> Well, I've I've got one too, but it's not. I wouldn't call it a first-hand account. It's more a recounting of what happened to me when I was a baby slash toddler. Because um, we were living in northern Alberta at the time in uh, Fort Chipewyan, and we were in our older house. And I guess people in the village or in the town, I guess you know, under Hamlet, you want to call it they all were telling us how our house is, like, haunted. And it's like, okay, whatever. That's kind of weird. So we're, like, living in it, and then I was young enough to still be in a crib, and I'd wake up in the middle of the night and scream and cry, and, like, you know, my parents would, like, take me out and put me back in. I'd be like, just screaming and crying, and, like, for no apparent reason, other than the fact I was a baby. But... <laughs> a baby screaming and crying, because that's the first time that's... <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it, I guess it, they, I guess it was something about just going to bed, like in that room that was like making me like just scream, just like out of fear or something. So anyway, they started like checking out the room to be like, what, what the heck could be making it him scream and stuff? And then they opened the closet and there was like a Ouija board inside the closet. So then they like obviously took it and got rid of it. And then after that, there was no no further episodes of anything like being like, well, apparently he doesn't he he's okay being in his room now. Like, but it was it was I guess timed enough with the Ouija board thing and the fact that people were saying our house was haunted that it it all lined up. I guess. Jeez, Mike. Can <laughs> nope. you swing by the apartment and tell me if this is haunted? Or I'll just get you to try and go to sleep, and if he starts screaming and crying, I'll I'll know. If he stops crying and you pull out a Ouija board, you know what's funny, and it'll tie it'll tie back in together with the rest of the episode, is that my first instinct when you told that story was, well, okay, I understand getting rid of it and seeing if it stops, but if it stopped, I would definitely put the Ouija board back and see if it starts again. <laughs> Bob, I don't think you've ever been a parent. Yeah, are you going to be like, hey, let's make scientific experiments with demons on our child? For one night. Well, no, I mean, if you can stop your 
child well, from too. screaming and crying at yeah. night, you do the thing that will stop your child right, from screaming and crying. Once they've right? stopped, I would need to, if, if, if this was a real effect, it would be repeatable. And so I want to show that it's not real. Oh. Rob, I wasn't old enough to enforce the scientific process on no, my parents. I'm not, I'm not blaming you. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, I'm calling out your parents for not enforcing the scientific method. There you go. That's definitely what I would do. Um, yeah. To this day, I always I always make sure to do a, a blind test with anything that's unexplained to try to figure out what's going on. Um, so so I, in science. Yeah, exactly. So I, I kind of have a story. It's not really to do with supernatural. It's just something that... that well, then why I, are you telling it? It'll, <laughs> it'll, lead, it'll lead nicely into the discussion, and it's something that happened when I was younger that I can't explain, but it's just I can't explain it for a different reason. So the, the basement of the house that I grew up in was... We did an addition on, onto the building at one point, and so when you go down into the basement, there's a, there's a hole where it used to be the outside window. And so as you're walking down the stairs, you can look to your right and you see the old basement window. So it's oh, is that a, what that is? Oh, yeah. okay. So you see a cutout, and you can look into the, base, the basement living room. And so when I, was, when I was really young, like 10 or something, 12 years old, I, I would turn the light off at the bottom of the stairs so there, the, the entire room was just pitch black, the, the living room, and... I would every time I looked in to that room through the window, I would just get terrified. Like I had it firmly in my mind that there were vampires that were looking at me, and like so I would bolt up the stairs every time and make sure to not look because they were gonna get me. And it sort of it plays into the the fact that like th a lot of the times things we see are spooky or can't explain. It's fear of that unknown. Like, you don't know what's there. If it's dark, you can't see, or if it's blurry or whatever. And I just found that, it, like, as an adult now, I find it so fascinating that I was so afraid. Now, when we're talking about vampires, are we saying, like, the Bram Stoker Dracula vampire or the yes. Twilight vampire? Not the sparkly <laughs> vampires. I was thinking actual scary vampires. Real vampires don't sparkle. Yeah, because sparkly vampires aren't scary. Okay. Sparkly vampires are sexy, though. They're just not scary. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, it seems like people want to date those ones. Well, <laughs> no, in, if you read Bram Stoker's Dracula, um, uh, uh, sexual desire is a method of the vampire getting to you. Yeah, I mean, I mean sexiness being the main trait, whereas <laughs> Dracula, scariness would be the main trait if you're thinking of, of him as a vampire. Well, I... I mean, it still kind of feeds into that because every time yeah. Bram Stoker's uh, Dracula goes to bite you in the neck, you'd feel a strong desire for it. And I could be wrong, but I seem to recall that uh, I read it when I was a lot younger, or when I was in high school, so I don't remember all the details, but I seem to recall Dracula biting a man in the neck, and the man really wanted him to bite him in the neck, and I'm like, I wonder if that's like now. I wonder. I'm like, I wonder if that's an allusion to homosexuality and how strange that must have been to have that being openly discussed in a book that early. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. That's that's interesting. I never really like. I don't like. I don't like a lot of scary things. So I would never read or watch like read the books or watch the movies. But uh, 
Yeah, that's, that's very interesting. You want to read a classic horror novel, like the original horror novel that is not scary at all? Read Frankenstein. That is just a guy <laughs> whining for an entire novel. <laughs> I Yeah, I, I'm sure there's a lot more literary stuff that I'm just not getting, but I could go my entire life without reading Frankenstein again. I think the only scary stuff that I'd say I'm into would be like the post-apocalyptic type movies like I Am Legend or or what's the 28, 28 Days Later? Yeah, the zombie yeah, one. Yeah, those ones are pretty good. Like, I don't like the super like dark, like gory, <laughs> jumpy ones. Yeah. Like, the post-apocalyptic ones, they have the jumpy elements, but at least it's mostly like during daylight and it's not like... <laughs> yeah. yeah. But stuff like and, Saw or any of those types, I'm not... No. Those ones. There's actually been some discussion as to uh, what scares us as and why they scare us. And it's interesting because a lot of the horror movies now involve some form of pathogen or like zombies, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So they think that's in vogue because what actually scares us as a society is disease because it appears that that's really one of the only things that will bring down society as it currently stands just yeah. because we are so advanced. Yeah. But, you know, previous things like, uh, I don't know, they had like comparisons. Like werewolves, I think, was rabies, which was a very real oh, disease okay. at that point and would actually kill people because rabbit animals were just everywhere. Hmm. Yeah, I think for the disease type things, I think right now it's the most easily relatable as far as an actual threat. Like you were saying, it's, it's kind of like what's scary right now. And like, you know, with vampires or even werewolves, it's like, oh, that's not real or that would never happen. But with like people getting and if infected... They are, we have a military that can do <laughs> But people getting infected and like turning into zombie-like people, like that's a fairly... It's within the reach of our imaginations, I think, as far as being realistic. It's at least a lot closer. Yeah. Huh. I like that. Mm-hmm. All these very interesting theories. Hypotheses, I think. I don't think they're advanced enough to be theories. I'm sure there are some that are, but not in our, not in this particular circle. I'm sorry, I'm looking at you again. <laughs> <laughs> so, on, do you guys like movies that have jump scares? That like, no. If if I, a movie, if I can even consider that it might have one. I don't want to watch that movie. So I Am Legend, I liked the movie except for the jump scares, and that made me never, like, as soon as there was, as soon as you get that spooky music where you know something's going to happen, whether or not they actually play it with a jump scare, I just stop watching. Like, I just turn it off and I can't. Like, my favorite, you know, scary genre is, like, talk political thrillers. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah. yeah, that's... That's my limit of horror, basically. Yeah. <laughs> if like, something oh no, the vote isn't going to go the way he wants it to. What will they do? <laughs> <laughs> it's terrifying. I like the idea of the thriller because it gives you, it gives you the intrigue and the suspense, but it doesn't, it doesn't exploit cheap thrills. Like there's no loud noise or jumpy. Uh, like a flash of light or anything. It's just 
well done and like maybe there's no moment there's no like split second where you're shocked because they sort of telegraph like you see someone walk behind by trees in the woods like you see them it, there's no scare you know they're there and that to me that's way more compelling and way more interesting than just having something shocking happen or having a big like a a chord on the piano played very loudly just to get a, like a jump out of people. Some people really like that, but I don't. I guess you would... The analogy I'm thinking of is using shock humor as opposed to, you know, just very well thought out humor. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's much more difficult to actually think through and make something funny. But it's... You know, it's much easier to just talk about poop and have people laugh. Exactly. Yeah. Well, with with a lot of movies, though, like, the good ones, they'll still get you to be invested in the character and care about them. Like, with I Am Legend, you want to root for Legend and have him, like, succeed in... I can't remember what the premise of the movie was, but succeed in whatever he was trying to do. I think it was get an antidote somewhere. Or something. Yeah, he had. I think he had an antidote. In yeah. Wilson, at least he had yeah. it, and he had to somehow get. Without getting killed, he had to. Yeah. Get it from his lab or something. Yeah. I haven't actually seen the movie, so I am useless yeah. here. But I just wanted you to know. I am useless. <laughs> if you don't care about the character, then you're not going to be as into the movie and the story. So I think there's still that element of storytelling there, but. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's move on to something that I think we'll try to get we'll try to get to the root of this as as much as we can in in an hour and a bit. Uh, and that's the idea that there there are people in our culture that absolutely innately believe in paranormal phenomena. And I don't, I don't think it would be hard to necessarily make the argument that there's a reason why we're afraid of those kinds of things. So what what kinds of reasons do you guys think people have to believe in things like ghosts or like being able like psychic readings or uh I don't think there are people who necessarily believe in vampires but sort of believing that these supernatural phenomena are real. Well, I think with Psychic readings in particular, it's very easy to figure out why people want to believe in them because you want to believe that you can either, you know, either looking to the future, you want to believe that you can have some form of control over your future. And also a lot of the psychics are just cold readers. So yeah. they they know what you want to hear and they tell you what you want to hear and that's why psychics are in business. Yeah, I, I thought I've, I I'm glad we I'm glad you mentioned cold reading because it's it's really interesting seeing sh like there's a there's a show on TLC called Long Island Medium and which again is it's a, it's a funny title and it's a good premise for a show but thinking that it's real just it there's no there's no credibility to me in psychics because we understand that aspect of aspect of science and there's no there's no scientific basis for being able to see the future it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me and it, i'm i'm i've always said that i'm open to being proven wrong about these things but there's been so much evidence that it's 
made up. And in this case, Long Island Medium has actually been thoroughly debunked. So, yeah, if someone just joins... like every other, other psychic ever. ever. Yeah. I think when, when it comes to why people want to believe in the paranormal or psychic specifically, it comes down to a desire, like Nick was kind of alluding to, a desire to have control, and often it's a last-ditch effort... Um, I'll t I'll give an example that there's there's a young adult that went missing in Calgary, and they've been looking for him for well over three weeks by now, if not a month. And there's kind of like a Facebook group about the people looking for him and posting updates on the progress and whatever. And one of the the comment threads was, you know, we haven't had any leads, whatever. And then one of the people were like, oh, you should go see a psychic. It's like we we went to one for whatever, and they're really helpful, like, whatever. But it's, it's the kind of situation where there's almost, you've tried everything else, and it's like, well, why not, right? Like, it's like, it can't hurt. That that's I think that's kind of the mentality that people, people have. I think in a lot of cases, it can and does hurt, because it makes, like, tends to have people make bad business decisions or life choices, that kind of thing, if they think that they're being led to go you know, move to Australia and start up a bread business or something. <laughs> so it's like right. those kinds of things where if you're taking that kind of advice, but it's like, oh, help me find my lost child, then it's like, yeah, I can see why someone would want to try everything they can because they feel that if they didn't, they're not trying hard enough maybe. Yeah. I think that one of the things that, like, humans have this sort of fatal flaw in that it's very hard for us to look at the big picture unless we're told to look at it. So, and to, to, to use a specific example before I talk about psychics, I was sitting here listening to you and I wanted, I wanted to interrupt you and say, no, 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 like, whoever was talking about posting about psychics, like, you were, you were talking as though you were like, oh, yeah, this person suggested psychics. I'm like, why didn't we think of that? But I know I'm trying, I have to force myself to divorce what you were saying from the fact that it was your opinion, because I know that that's not your opinion, that you don't think it would be useful to go to a psychic. But I had to go like, whoa, whoa wait, <laughs> he's not saying that we should do that. He's saying that that's the belief. Although I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put up my sarcasm sign and say I am definitely, like, 100% on board. Like, it, I'm now abandoning everything to go to Australia and start my bakery business. It's funny you should mention that. Maybe you're a psychic. But, uh, yeah. So. <laughs> at Australia. Um, yeah, but it it's funny. Like you can sort of, I I sort of liken it just in my mind right now to to time travel in movies. You can watch a movie and enjoy the fact that they're time traveling and and not worry too much about paradoxes that they're causing. But and and this is referenced all the time in in comedy, where when you go like psychics have so many either contradictions or fallacies, or paradoxes. Like, there, there's the common joke, uh, I think it was on The Simpsons, they were taught, or I'm, I'm sure I could re reference any number of movies where, like, a psychic didn't see something coming. And it's like, haha, but if, if that person was actually psychic, they would have actually seen it coming. Like, that's how psychics work. So if they can see the future, or if they can see what's going on, they would never be wrong and 
psychics would be proven a proven scientific fact, and that hasn't happened yet. There's just no way. And and it would be hard to say, oh, it only works under these certain circumstances, because at that point, if you if you ever said that, and that I think people have tried to do that, and that's where people like uh, James Randi is a famous. Uh, debunker of these kinds of things. He has like a million dollar prize for anyone that can prove that they have extrasensory perception. And even under the circumstances that they put up themselves, like they're allowed to make these claims and put it under their own circumstances. Nobody has proven that they have any sort of psychic ability. And I mean, if you could prove that you have ESP or psychic abilities, people would be all over that. Like, Stock traders, people that, yeah, I don't know, like gamblers, whatever, like they would be all over that. And I'm pretty sure the Nazis had paranormal things in place to try and figure out how to exploit such things. And in the end, it did not go so well for them because it turns out radar is better than ESP. <laughs> And it always will be. <laughs> yep. Huh. So, uh, uh, staying on the topic of mediums, you can say that, like, people who will suggest going to see a psychic, if they believe in psychics or if they've had an experience where someone was able to read them and provide advice or just words that were helpful to them, they're, they're going to react positively to that experience. But a lot of mediums especially ones that will communicate with the dead or proclaim to communicate with the dead, they, they, they are definitely helping. I'm not going to disagree that they're, they're helping those families, but they're exploiting those families. They're exploiting emotion, and they're exploiting fear. And it, like it, it's just emotional manipulation to these people. And, and if they knew that that was all that was happening, I, I know that they wouldn't give money to them because you're much better off sitting with your family and just reminiscing and talking about that person than you are having some third party say oh she she's very glad that you guys love her so much and of course she she misses you and like there's just so many there's so much exploitation that goes on in that kind of in that kind of system as as a quick point of order are multiple mediums called media I was just thinking that too <laughs> I really hope so because uh, my media empire is. <laughs> is there anything else we want to talk about with regards to psychics? Mike, you look like you have something to say. Do you? Well, I think I think it just goes back to that. You know, yeah, like I think just what psychics do on a superficial level, it it can help if it's yeah trying to contact a loved one or have comfort in finding a loved one, whatever. But the whole point is that they're, yeah, like they're exploiting and taking advantage of your emotion and taking money from you. And it, it even goes to, when you look at the, um, the, whatchamacallit, like the evangelists that will go up on stage and host conferences and heal people and all that kind faith of stuff. Healers. And it's, What's that? Faith healers. Yeah, faith healers. Yeah, faith yeah. healers. And, you know, it's like these guys are taking advantage of people, and it's, like, sickening because... And in many cases, actually hurting. Yeah, yeah like, it's, it's, it's the kind of thing that it should be illegal because it's not 
it's not in any sense of the word ethical or or good. Oh. Yeah. But. Yeah, it's exploiting someone's belief to make money. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, I, in a lot of cases, it's harmful. Do we all listen to Hello Internet? I know I listen to it enough for both Mike and I. So yeah. <laughs> um. You know, I just uh, I'm catching up, and I just listened to episode twenty, I think, when he was talking about alternative medicine. And in Gray's opinion, if if you if you're caring for someone and you know giving them alternative medicine, and they believe you, and they think you're going to make them better, and they die while under your care, you should be executed because <laughs> because they they thought you we're going to help them when in actual actuality you're just feeding them bunk. Yeah. Which I think that's also in uh, Dante's Inferno. The Are we familiar with that one? I'm familiar with the work. I've never read it. Okay. It's his uh, innermost circle of hell that Dante outlines is reserved. It's the worst and it's reserved for those who betray people from a position of trust. And I believe faith healers and stuff like that would fall under that category. Yeah. Hmm. So that was profound. Moving yeah. On. <clears throat> uh, let's move to something a little bit lighter. Uh, <laughs> a little lighter. We'll, we'll go all the way back to the first circle of hell, which is... Uh, the virtuous show, pagans. No, no, no. And the History Channel and Sci-Fi and these these networks that have yeah that that churn out shows about paranormal stuff to make money. Uh, and so I think this is Mike asked the question: Is it okay to watch shows about paranormal activity for entertainment? Not because you think they're real, just because you think it's entertaining. Is there something you wanted to say on that before we launch into a discussion? I don't know. I just thought it was it was interesting how those are the kind of things that propagate the ghost stories and and that kind of thing that is easily accessible and it's out there. But in in the same way as just anything like if you if you take it as a belief versus entertainment it can do harm, but is it okay to watch it and I guess give these Shows view counts if they're if you're just watching it for fun. Well, that's I mean, that's uh, the the only way that kind of stuff spreads is mimetically, I think. Like you you have to be told about it or learn it in order for it to be, you know, continuous as a belief system. And I, I don't know. I feel like this is just mimetic spread, but with modern media. Right, that makes sense. That was a lot of alliteration. So, there are shows, like, I have, for instance, I've never watched for for long periods of time any of these shows. Um, The show Long Island Medium has been on, like, Julia's been watching it, or, like, it's it's been on after a show she watches, and so it's just sitting there on, and we happen to be observing it. And if you if you do shows like that shows like any show where you hunt ghosts, uh, any show where you're looking for some kind of mythical creature, 
if they found a ghost, if they found scientific evidence with all these instruments they have, if they found any evidence of something that we didn't already know existed, this would have actual media attention. And it doesn't. It just has a TV show on TLC. So how can we, like, I don't understand how people believe it. It just, like, same thing with, uh, you have in here UFOs as well. We can, we can lump alien encounters in, into that. If there was any real evidence of it, you have to know that the government would be involved, the media would be involved, like, everyone would flock to that spot. Every time that's happened in history, it's turned out to be nothing. Unless you want to talk about government conspiracy. <laughs> Which apparently it seems like we do. Do we want it? <laughs> it's, it's, it's more like it's, it's just a common reason for why we don't know anything about it because the government's covering it up. I right. feel like the government has so many better things it could be worrying about. Like, who's going to invest that much time and effort in hiding a UFO, for example? Just... Yeah. Why? <laughs> Why? NASA scientists and the people that study this are so, would be so excited to tell everyone about it. Yeah. Like, there's no way you'd be able to contain it. Yeah. There, well, I, although playing devil's advocate, if NASA found a UFO, I imagine NASA would want to keep that, or the United States government would want to keep that uh, that technology to reverse engineer for themselves, although I assume you would then want to actually use that. Yeah, and we have, and that hasn't happened. Was it on this show we were talking about it, whether it was a good idea, if we ever contacted extraterrestrial life, if we should, if it should be made public, or if it should be kept internal within the government that found it? Like, would it be, would it do more harm to release that info versus keep it a secret? What do you think? I don't know. That's why I'm, I'm asking the question. I, I thought we already talked about it, but maybe we didn't. Well, we can we can recover it a little bit in the in the context of paranormal and uh, what like the, if we want to talk about it in the context of keeping sec like keeping secrets for whatever country discovers it. If we want to talk about, we can talk about the technology side of it and having advanced technology. We can talk about the what it means for our species if we discover other intelligent life. I just there there were how many documents? How many millions of documents were leaked by WikiLeaks and none of them had to do with this? Like what? <laughs> yeah, we've seen government incompetence over and over again and. None of this has ever leaked. Is there like is there one competent team and they happen to be in charge of all these this stuff that has to do with conspiracies? Maybe that's why the rest of the government seems incompetent sometimes because all the actual qual or all the actual competent human beings are put on this other secret project. <laughs> I'm not sure there are any competent human beings. There's just people that have gotten been, been incompetent on a, such a rare occasion that they get they get high up, but everyone, nobody knows what they're doing. Everyone's guessing every second of every day. Would you say that people are just faking it until they make it, Rob? I would. Someone should make a podcast along those lines. <laughs> Little known fact, I did that. <gasps> That's marvelous. <laughs> I wish I could be on that show. Well, lucky for you. 
<laughs> I'll hook you up, Mike. I know a guy. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to something we've touched on already, but how does does belief in the paranormal and people who believe in the paranormal affect the scientific process? And trying to have a rational discussion like we are about the paranormal. Like, if, if someone vehemently believes in ghosts, can a scientist saying, no, we've proven ghosts don't exist, can that, can that convince anybody? Like, anybody well, that, doesn't, that believes in them already, is a scientist saying, no, they don't exist, we have this evidence, we, have, we, we don't have evidence they don't exist, we have no evidence that they exist. Like that, is that convincing at all to anybody? Well, I mean, you've gotten into borderline philosophy there. Because it, it's one of those things where you just, how do you, how can you disprove it? It's, oh, who is it? There's a philosopher who said, oh, it's so-and-so's teapot. Basically, they said, you know, there's a teapot in orbit between here and Mars or something like that, but we don't actually have the the uh, equipment to properly view it, but I'm saying it's there, so it's there. And the implication is that if you're making spectacular claims, the burden of proof is on you to prove it. Right. It's but uh, at the same time, like, you can't... I don't know how you can scientifically investigate such a thing. Yeah. Here's, here's my take on it. Because... Unless someone is trying to prove to you that something exists, then that's when you should care, well, prove it. Like, show me evidence. And if they can't, then it's like, okay, well, I don't believe that. But if someone does believe it, there's nothing that anyone else can do or say to get them to not believe. Because then they're saying, well, prove it doesn't exist. And then it's like, well, you can't. So it's like, well, there you go. So, yeah. so, so let me believe it. And and I think that's kind of my my approach to things is like as long as a belief like that isn't harming, as in causing people to like not seek medical help or make really poor decisions in life, then it's like well who cares if if they want to believe Sasquatch exists and they want to even go look for him then go crazy like yeah. you know it's not I I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna try to prove that they don't exist. It's like well don't don't try to get me to believe it exists, but otherwise go do your own thing. Well, there's I can't remember exactly how the quote goes, but there's also one that goes along the lines that you can't teach someone something that they think they already know. Yeah, so I think there's that a, speaks to there's it. Oh, I'm gonna put a link to this as well because I think it's interesting. I'm gonna put a link to to Russell's teapot is the. The teapot oh, okay. about, Richard Russell, uh, but in a in a CGP Grey video, who is of Hello Internet fame, he talks about divorcing yourself and your own identity from what you believe in. And I, this is not an original thought, but the idea that you can you you can be a lot right a lot more often if you're willing to change your mind. If if you're waiting, if you're sitting there waiting for proof of something before either believing it exists or believing it doesn't exist, you 
are missing out on a lot of opportunity to learn. So I, I'm not going to believe in something in, until I see at least some evidence that it exists. But I don't... I'm, I'm willing to, to entertain pretty much any idea, at least, like, even if I already... Like, right now, I 0% believe in ghosts. But if someone wants to show me evidence ghosts exist, I'm happy to change that if I see evidence of it. It just doesn't seem very likely. I hope that's not... Uh, <laughs> I hope that's a common thing in this world. But uh, in general, my experience is a lot of... When you talk to people one-on-one, -on -one, you sort of... It gets nuanced, and people don't necessarily 100% aren't 100% convinced of these kinds of things, but in general, if you take a poll of, of people throughout the United States or North America about whether they believe in ghosts or not, you're going to get, get a lot higher percentage than if you have a conversation about ghosts with each of these people. But if you have to give a yes or no answer, it's sort of soundbite to say, oh yeah, I, I think ghosts could exist, and they'll put that down as a yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, I don't know if you guys have heard of the skeptic community, um, but it's it's generally scientifically minded people that make a point to question anything that doesn't have that they don't have exposure to evidence to kind of or or they'll or they'll or there's an element of doubt or skepticism I guess you could more accurately say in claims made by people without checking references and just background information on whatever. And I, I had started listening to a Skeptics podcast and started kind of just being interested in that kind of mentality, I guess. And it definitely taught me a lot about kind of fact-checking and being not taking things at face value right away. But it's also very exhausting to just abandon any sense of trust or belief in facts or just ideas without any sort of evidence. And I think you almost need to, even in a scientific process, you need to have some sort of belief that something is true to pursue it. And then, like you said, you change your mind and be like, oh, okay, maybe that's not the case, or the other way around. It's not the case. Oh, it is the case kind of thing, right? Like, But I don't know if it's the right approach to be skeptical of absolutely everything all the time. Right. I would say it's not. It's, it's good to have an open mind about everything mm -hmm. to start. And then if it seems like someone's scamming you or if it seems like mm -hmm. you're trying to take your money, maybe you start to become more skeptical of it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, be skeptical where it's warranted, yeah. but not with just everything. Like, I'll read, a, I'll read an article and be like, oh, that's an interesting fact, and I'll start repeating that fact without doing any further background reading, though I probably should. But I, yeah. I, kind of, I just trust that it's like, you know, it's a reputable source or whatever, and it's like, okay, I have no reason to doubt that, so I'll just take it without any further digging, I guess. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, critically evaluating your sources is, is a great way to start on, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Have, have we all seen the, the article about why brunch is evil? Because <laughs> that is one where I looked at it, and I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to continue spouting that, that assertion because I don't think it's a fact. <laughs> In fact, you're critical sure of the source. <laughs> I think it might be a matter of opinion. 
<laughs> I think it'd be impossible to prove that as a fact, in fact. <laughs> yeah. Although, I'm sitting here as a lowly pro- proletariat without owning any means of production and sure didn't have brunch today. <laughs> what a bourgeoisie uh, meal. Yeah. God, I hate that article. Sorry. <laughs> Keep talking about other things. I don't think we can. I think we need to settle on brunch first. <laughs> okay. Brunch, does it exist? Brunch <laughs> like a paranormal breakfast or a lunch. Is brunch just a lead breakfast? Ooh, interesting. Or is it an early... Like, have we... Have we ever seen a brunch taking place? Like, I've heard from other people that they've had brunch, but, like, I've never actually had it, I don't think. I, I don't think brunch is brunch unless you've already had breakfast. And then you have brunch, and then you have lunch. Yeah. Is it? I because I think the point of brunch is that late-night revelers, as it was first written in the 1800s, I believe they said late-night revelers, they can, they can take solace in having brunch. Because they're not awake early enough for breakfast. Interesting. Hmm. In my mind, it was we're talking about brunch. Do do we want to talk about brunch? Do we want to end the show and talk about brunch in the after show? (laughs) Oh yeah, brunch would be a great after show topic. (laughs) In that case, we're we're at almost an hour here. Do you want to? Is there anything else we want to to throw in about the paranormal? I think we covered everything that I had to talk about. I would like to say that you should keep an open mind, whether that means that you know paranormal things might be real or that paranormal things might not be real. Yeah. Keep an open mind either way is a pretty good way to live your life. Yeah, keep an open open mind, but critically evaluate your sources where where it warrants. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In that case, we'll uh, we'll mute up and we'll end the show on on that note. All right. TTFN. Indeed. Hi. <laughs> All right. As we always mention, you can uh, you can find this show at futurechat.me on the internet. You can subscribe to us on YouTube. We'd be glad to have you. Uh, feel free to follow us on Twitter at Future Chats or head to Future Chat on Facebook. We always appreciate having you around, and I look forward to much more discussion about brunch in the after show. about length with you, Rob. Jeez. It's not about length with me. I just I just maximized the window and now your pirate hat is just so much bigger. <laughs> Tis a good day for talking brunch. Let's all maximize our windows. Ye scallywags. <laughs> So let's let's go let's do a round table on uh, on our thoughts on brunch. 
We should like have two separate podcasts, Future Chat, and then like just a three dudes talking cast. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. There's a lot more I want to say, Uh, and it's not enough. The after show is not enough extra time. (laughs) Maybe we need an after after show. Well, we do. It's just private. <laughs> it's, it's not live. Yeah. Um, Nick, are you, are you anyway. trying to something? I beg your pardon? Are you trying to allude to something and saying we should have another show where it's just three dudes talking? No. <laughs> oh. It really seemed like you were, and we've talked about it before. Um, well, I had to... Words are hard. Um, I don't know. We talk a lot, and I feel like we talk about interesting things, yeah. like Brussels teapot and brunch. <laughs> I I like I like Brussels teapot. I also like the flying spaghetti monster. I always um, found that to be an interesting. It, it's an interesting thought experiment. Thinking about it. Well, I mean, the, the flying spaghetti monster was all about. It is about religious tolerance in its most literal sense, I think. Yeah. But see, the thing is, with both those, there's nothing wrong with believing in either of them. Like, if someone wants to believe there's a teapot orbiting the Earth, then okay, I don't... Well, they don't actually believe that. It's just no, an illustrative. No, I know. Example. Yeah. Oh, okay. But I, I'm saying if someone were to actually believe that, then... It's I don't see any any issue with that. Like I'm I'm gonna like, I'm gonna refer to the Wikipedia entry on Russell's teapot in my discussion of this uh, to say that it's nonsensical for him to believe to expect others to believe him on the grounds that they cannot prove him wrong. Right. But That's it's also kind of nonsensical to believe that there's a teapot out there. That's not the point of Russell's teapot, though, is it? No. No, it's not. It's just saying... uh, Well, then then here we are. (laughs) Well, here, if we're going to start talking about religious beliefs, when, when people try to convert others to believe in their beliefs, from my understanding, and I think it's fair to say in a general sense it's supposed to be taken on a faith basis in, right. in light in despite believe in it despite the lack of evidence right yeah. like like that's that's kind of the whole point of religion i think is you, you believe it despite the lack of evidence hence the requirement for faith well in yeah. the abrahamic religion specifically faith is uh or faith is highly prized although in, uh, I was gonna say, you know, the classic example of a just wonky religion, as compared to the Abrahamic religions, is like Buddhism. But I think there are some elements of faith in it. It's just a different sort of faith. What would make it wonky? Well, the fact that it's atheistic religion. Okay. Because a lot of people are talking about atheism as a religion these days. Mm-hmm. It's a belief. Well, I mean, Buddhism just 
what like one of the central tenets of Buddhism is that they're they believe that there firmly is they firmly believe that there is no deity, and the only way you can escape suffering is to abandon belief in a deity. But that's another example of to each his own. It's fine. Right. Yeah, I, I always find hearing stories about different religions interesting and how they came about and how they're practiced, and I hadn't heard that before. You watch uh, Crash Course, don't you? I do. Yeah, they had a, or they had an episode on Buddhism and Hinduism, but they didn't. They didn't really. Ex they they explored the spread of it, but not really the. Key that was in history, beliefs, I guess. Sorry. Was that world history? Yeah. Okay. Huh. Have yeah, you ever watched the world history one? I've watched world history. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's one of the earlier ones. It's a good one. It's uh yeah I I really enjoy Crash Course. I don't I didn't remember them talking about religious aspects so I guess that's why. Yeah. Well, in retrospect, they don't actually talk about a lot of the key beliefs of any of them. Right. Which, I mean, it makes sense. They're talking about history. They're not talking about religion, but... Yeah. I've actually heard of studies done on people's tendency to be inclined to believe in something as, like, a natural, inherent thing. And that's why religion itself is a widespread concept. And even atheism is, in its own sense, a belief as right. in the belief that there is no deity. Yeah, it's just another belief system. But yeah, it's a, it's a belief system, right? So I think just that's something that people need or are inclined to be attracted to is, is believing in something. Yeah. And I think it relates back to why people are inclined to gravitate towards paranormal beliefs. Maybe in an atheistic society, this is one brand of interesting thing that people can focus on, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's like if you're not going to believe in God, believe in werewolves, I guess. That's the same. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've always found that the, the fear of the unknown aspect of paranormal, things to do with Halloween, things to do with just spookiness in general, it's, it's really powerful because... As humans, we want to explain everything. We really seek to have an understanding of what's going on. So, like, religions, for the most part, at least some aspects of them, came about because we wanted to have an explanation for why we're here. Yeah. And so, ghosts, and being afraid of ghosts, even though you can't necessarily see them, you, you sort of... People that believe in them will say that they've felt their presence or they've heard them knocking on their door and then them open the door and the door was open. Um, <laughs> I didn't attribute that to ghosts, Rob. I just said it happened. <laughs> I understand. I'm not. I wasn't. I didn't say your name. It's just a story. Oh, that, okay. well, that is a story. Clearly, it must have been about that story that I told earlier today. That, it, that story is older than you. The story. You're of, older than you. The story of hearing knocking is not unique to you. But it comes down to we don't know and we want an explanation and so we affix 
you affix people other than you affix ghosts to that knocking sound and that door opening. Whereas you did not do that because you have no belief in ghosts. But if you wanted to, if you if you wanted to seek to attach an understanding of what had happened to that situation, there's there are only a couple of other options. And you went with air pressure, and that's I would tend to do that as well. But it, I mean, it doesn't have to be. You can. I didn't you can say that though. I was just like, no, that might have been it. It yeah. could have been ghosts. Maybe yeah. it was. Too bad I didn't have one of those meters. <laughs> one thing that I that I just remembered, and actually I have two things, but I'll mention the first one. When it comes to like magic, I don't know if you guys watch America's Got Talent. I've seen it. So they, they've the last couple of years they've had quite a few magicians on because I think they find that people like those acts. But they've had really, really good magicians on the last couple of years. And on some of them, like there's literally no explanation for how they could have done what they've done unless, A, the show was rigged, where everyone was in on it and just, like, it was just rigged for TV. Like, you know what I mean? That the judges knew, like, you'd, you'd have to see some of them, but you'd agree that it's like there's no explanation. Either the show's rigged or he's magic. Like... Um. So in some cases, I would say they definitely... Because the whole thing is finding talent. If you're a talented magician and right. they want to put you on TV, they're going to make that happen. Yeah. But there's also, like, we, just you not knowing there's an explanation doesn't necessarily mean that no magician can explain it. No, exactly. But, but I guess my whole thing is that, like, I want to believe that he's magic. Like, that would be, like... It's, it's fantastical to me that it'd be cool if he was actually able to magically have, like, you know, a paper appear crumpled up inside something that had what he was written on it, but at no point in any of it is there any way for it to have actually gotten in there with that thing written on it, unless it was, like, magically materialized in there. Like... Right. Like, and, it, like not even a sleight of hand kind of thing. Like, it's, like, there's no way to explain it. Yeah, and you just, I don't know. I get that. Like, you just want it to be true because yeah. that would be so awesome if that were yeah, the case. Exactly. You know that it's not. Magic isn't real. There's always an explanation. Is um, there, though? There is. There's a show that I'm going to reference right now. <laughs> uh, it's put on. It was put on by Penn & Teller in, uh, in the UK. Uh, it's called Fool Us. I'm sorry. Rob's getting evangelical up in here. <laughs> I'm, I'm really not. Uh, <laughs> so the, the premise of the show is they have a studio audience and they have Penn and Teller sitting front and center about 20 or 30 feet from the performance They do the person does their trick and then Penn and Teller confer decide if the, how the trick has been done and they say alright we know how it was done and they, they either use some kind of magic jargon or they they, they basically they've been in the business of, of magic for so long that they can just say to the to the magician, "We know how it was done," and the guy will be like, "All right, fine," and walk away. But if if they are really able to fool Penn and Teller, who have been magicians for a long time, uh, then they get to go to Vegas and be on the in the their stage show. And the fact cool. that the show is called "Fool Us" and not "Some Magic, magic Is Real" tells right. me that every magic trick is has some trick to it. They're trying to fool Penn and Teller using some kind of sleight of hand or magic or uh, like there's some m magical device at play 
that isn't magic that is just having to do with the profession. Do do you feel that there's a possibility for there to be like black magic, where like the devil is giving powers to people to perform magic? Now, you're already speaking. <laughs> <I don't... laughs> no. Okay, <laughs> so the other thing I wanted to, to bring up was this thing with the Malaysia flight. Yeah. The randomly disappearing, no trace. What if that was an no. alien What Rob, okay, we talked we about having an open mind. We need more than that. Give more. What are you talking about? Well, there's no explanation for it at this point. It's gone to sea. The ocean is gigantic. <laughs> it's so big. Why haven't we found it? It's, it's always about size with you, Rob. No one knows what happened. It, it was a plane crash, and it's under the surface of the ocean, which is tens of trillions of liters of water. Prove it, Rob. No. <laughs> the proof is that we haven't found it so far. That's the only place it can be. If it, if it was anywhere else, we would have found it. Why does there always have to be a moment in every show where you guys do this to me? <laughs> Nick, you're a po I can tell you're against me. You're completely on board with this, and I don't like it. Can you? Is that what I think? Are you telling me what I think, Rob? Yes, that's what your face suggests to me right now. No, I just find this whole line of questioning hilarious. It, it is. It is quite I think hilarious. You both, I think sometimes people overestimate uh, what's actually going on in my head. Yeah, sorry. Especially when I have like a full beard, I can sit and stroke it pensively, and people are like, "Man, he's thinking about stuff." And I'm like, "I like apples." <laughs> apples. How is that not thinking about like other apples? <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, it just people are like, "Damn that Nick!" He thinks he's got me, got me licked this time with his. Crazy Malaysian Airlines, blah blah, <laughs> and then I'm just like, man, this sure is funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike, what do you think happened to the plane? You think it was abducted by aliens, or you just no. want me to prove it wasn't? No, <laughs> I'm I'm sure I'm sure there's a perfectly reasonable explanation for what happened, but it's at this point, it's it's a mystery, and and I like mystery. I like I like thinking about what could have happened. The same way with magic, right? It's like, it's like, how did he do that? Right. The, like, there was a show. There was another TV show on. Uh, I don't even remember what it was called. But there was some famous, relatively famous character, who would go about showing showing you a magic trick, and then telling you exactly how it was done. Like he would basically go through and reveal how mm -hmm. a trick was done. And, like, some of the most done tricks, like, they have explanations. All magic tricks have some kind of explanation. There's n Nobody has shown any, any type of actual magic. It's never happened. Is it okay to believe in magic in the sense of, man, that was cool and there's no explanation for that, and not want to know how it was done? Some people, absolutely there is. 
I don't I don't need to know how it was done. I just know that it is some kind of cool trick that isn't magic. But then you're robbing yourself of that enjoyment. If no, you don't I believe that it could be magic. A cool happening. Do you I don't believe it. in magic? Okay, so they, they had they had a mind reader on one season. And yeah. like some of the stuff he did, it was like crazy. Like there's no there's no way he could have known some of the stuff he was like mind reading of unless he could either A read minds or the show was rigged beforehand for him to know what was gonna happen. Which is entirely possible that they rigged the show for TV, but I'd like to, I'd like to think they wouldn't. Uh, I want to find oh, what's that quote that I love about magic? It's weird to see you stroking your actual beard, but having your hand under the pirate beard. <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh, there it is. Uh, apparently it's one of Clark's three laws Arthur C. Clark the uh, British writer any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic and so that applies to technology but it also applies to just things that are beyond our perception anything that we don't have an explanation for is indistinguishable from magic but once it's explained to you it's obviously not magic to a layperson, NMR is totally magic. Exactly, but it's definitely not. Like, just because you don't understand the magi- magic behind it, or you aren't aware of the magic behind it, doesn't mean there is magic behind it. I think Actually, there's still a difference, though. There's still a difference between not knowing how something works and thinking it's magic. Right. No, no, no. Absolutely. But like, you can be a magician and think, and be like, you can be a magician watching another magician and go. That's cool. I like how you did that. I know how you did it, and I still appreciate the the art, the artistry of it. Whereas the person sitting beside them who isn't a magician will go, "Holy crap, magic!" But that doesn't. You're the person sitting there and going, "Holy crap, magic!" Whereas the person, the magician watching, will go, "Oh, well, they did it this way." So, so you can't distinguish it from magic. That's yeah. So, that's fair. If I may jump in. Yeah. and the significantly advanced technologies appear indistinguishable from magic. Mm-hmm. I had a... I, th- I think it's an EKG, an electrocardiogram, once. Um, yeah, that's a separate story, but... Uh, they hooked me up to... The, the, like They hooked the electrodes up to me, and they're like, okay, so this is going to take a picture of your heart. And I'm like... Well, I see what you're setting up now. Like, is it like are you running a current or are you just like trying to measure spontaneous voltages? Like, how does this work? And they're like, it's uh, it it's gonna take a picture of your heart. <laughs> like, so, to some of the operators, I think it uh, it is still indistinguishable from magic. That's funny. I like that. It's like, you're not taking a picture of it. Like, I know the basic theory of how this should work. I just want to know how it's executed. Like, just let me do my job. See, when, yeah, I, when, like... I got, <laughs> when I got an MRI, I was sitting there in the machine going, man, this is so cool. I love how this means that we can see my leg. But if you didn't understand MRI, you'd just be like, how are they doing this? Like, this is so cool. This is, this is magical. 
I don't know, like the computed the computed part of it I think for me is kind of indistinguishable from magic. Cuz I mean, what it, MRI works off of uh, hydrogen spin? Yeah, usually. And so that, in that case it does. So I mean, figuring out the range and how quickly it arrived at the detector just determines where it started. I I think that's fantastic. Uh, I don't think there's any distance detection involved. It uses... No, it's time-resolved. I don't say it's time-resolved. You can do the scans often enough that you get a frame rate. I mean, you obviously can do different time-resolved experiments, but I just don't think NMR or MRI... MRI experiments specifically are time-resolved. They just sample really often. Like, you can sample 20 times a second and get a moving picture, but that doesn't mean it's time-resolved. No, no, I mean... I mean, uh, for the individual slice that it takes, like, those individual slices that make up a, the total image kind of thing? Yeah. Do you know what I'm they talking about? gradient in a, mag- a magnetic field gradient to get that. We'll talk later, because I really want to understand how that works. But... Yeah. Yeah, there's no... I don't think there's any... They change the frequency by varying the magnetic field, but, yeah, there's. I don't think there's any... You could call it time-resolved if you wanted, but I don't think that's the most accurate way to do it because there are things that actually do... Like, things take different amounts of time to get there, but in this case, all the stuff is traveling at the speed of light just at different frequencies. But why does the frequency change? Because it's a varying magnetic field. The, gra- the magnetic field has a gradient to it. Should we do this in the after after show? If you want. <laughs> no, like I, I, uh, I read a, a like a layperson's explanation of how MRI works, and it was it said it had something to do with how long it takes for the signal to get to the detector, and that's how they know where it came from. But you would have to have ultra-fast sampling to know how... Sorry? I think that's too simplified. Okay. I believe you. you. I just... to get a layperson to understand it, but I don't think it's an accurate depiction of what happens. Okay. Just like how they told us the spin actually flips, like it doesn't... What? <laughs> it's, the, yeah, it's the average of the sample, but that's... <laughs> oh, that's good. I want to. While Nick's mind is blowing, I want to. Did Bryce lie to me? <laughs> I'm on the I'm on the Clark's Law page where that where he, the third law is any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. The first law says that when a distinguished but elderly scientist states that something is possible, he's almost certainly right. When he states that something is impossible, he's very probably wrong. I like that. Hmm. And the second one is, the only way of discovering the limits of the possible is to venture a little way past them into the impossible. I want to quote Michael Faraday there. I want to quote Michael Faraday and say, but still try, for who knows what is possible. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and that's like engraved in the 
over the door of the university he taught at, and I think that's wonderful. But cool. spin flip isn't. I, I'm so <laughs> upset. Like, it's an excitation. So it in bulk, it seems like the whole thing is the whole system's flipping. But really, it's yeah. You you excite the the individual molecules. Or the individual atoms or electrons or whatever you want, whatever you're measuring, by 90 degrees, and so it seems like the whole sample's flipping, but it's not. Wait, by 90 degrees? Yeah, like you you hit them, so they go perpendicular. I thought it was like you know they were off. Well, you know what I thought. Yeah. Like we're processing off axis, and then the spin flip puts them on the axis. If anything, they're processing. Uh, <laughs> like I'm not saying it happens to the whole sample. I'm saying individual, you know, elementary particles. Yeah, the individual particles don't actually like flip by 180 degrees. They don't like their the spin doesn't change. It just they're processing around like this, and then you hit them, and they go to 90 degrees, and then they process back up to, yeah. <laughs> There's a whole, you have to take. You have, to do, a, you have to do a master's degree in it, so, you know. A graduate course in NMR. <laughs> There's a lot. Although, on the note of magic and indistinguishable from advanced technologies, we did talk about magic spin angles in our synchrotron course. Yeah. And it's like, yep. You got <laughs> so far into the deep, dark scientific stuff that they just were like, well, clearly this is magic. Let's call it the magic spin angle. Yeah. I think we're still kind of lit that with dark matter a little bit. It's oh, yeah. Really magical. Yeah. A lot of a lot of the particles, even the Higgs boson, were still like, we don't have no idea how that happens. <laughs> there is this Higgs field that extends through all space, which makes some particles slow down while other particles race straight through like the photon. It has no mass, but something heavy like the top quark is dragging it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for censoring yourself. <laughs> yeah, this is an Ottawa. I will try and see myself. <laughs> is is there anything else we want to say before we apparently have an NMR chat in the after? By the way, I'm I'm sorry, Mike. You were such a good sport through that. <laughs> no, I I learned some stuff. I knew what precession was and excitation, but that's pretty much all I got out of it. <laughs> yeah, yep, these are words. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I, uh, we can end on that note, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's reasonable. Oh wait, we're still live. Like we are still live. Yeah. Thanks to anyone who sat through that. You're <laughs> with someone who is here, and we really appreciate your viewership. Um, Clearly, they are very attractive and intelligent. Yeah. Um, I wanted to say. Oh, I forget what I wanted to say now. It was like half an hour ago. I wanted to say it at the end of the the real show, and then I didn't. Um, yeah, I'll I'll think a bit later. Sounds good. I hope so. 
we'll have to have a memory episode because I just have none. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so if you are still listening here, we uh, we love getting your feedback about the show. Uh, if we get a review, even if it's not positive, if it's interesting, we will definitely read it on air because that's exciting. Uh, if it is bad, we will shame you on air. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know why anyone would leave a bad review and then not like keep listening. It would seem to me like it would be very strange if you were like, oh, I don't like this show so much that I'm going to leave a bad review, but then you keep listening to Maybe hear the shame you. <laughs> but if that happens, know that we probably will shame you, and so you should listen to future ones. I guess that's that's the moral of the story here. Yep, if you enjoyed good. costumes, my costume specifically, Nick's Trailer Park Boys or Mike's Telemarketer, <laughs> we want to hear it. We will gladly do costumes. So, I honestly, I thought of that joke 15 minutes in, and I needed a spot to actually get it out. And I'm glad it happened there. <laughs> Are we good? Thanks for that. Nope. All right. We're good. Uh, next week, we're doing a tech chat on automation, which should be interesting. Unless something more pressing comes up, and then we'll push it again. But I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. We might get into, I don't know if we'll talk about artificial intelligence in that episode, if we want to save that for something else, but it should be very interesting. Good. Sounds good. All right. Well, uh, thanks for tuning in, guys, and talk to you later. Toodaloo. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.